Welcome to episode 136 of the X-Files Retrospective Podcast, released through Bureau 42. I'm your host, Blaine Dowler. This week we are looking at SR-819, which is Season 6, Episode 9. The original air date was January 17, 1999, and the action primarily takes place in Baltimore, and specifically Washington, D.C., The IMDb user score has risen from 8.0 to 8.2 out of 10 following the marathon. Now this kicks off with a pre-credits teaser that has Skinner in a hospital bed, just bulging black veins all over, and the doctor says he's going to die. Now we don't immediately know he's Skinner, we know that they're called in the hospital, the doctor's rushing to them, saying we need to contact Scully, and this man's going to die. And then it's revealed that it's Skinner and not Mulder, as a lot of us would assume. The original script actually did call for Mulder to be the patient, but it was rewritten because Chris Carter felt, yeah, people know we're not going to kill Mulder at this point, but they may not be so confident with Skinner. So there's a much stronger air of mortality for Skinner's character. It's much more plausible that he'd be the one that didn't make it through. Now, that original script was written by John Scheiben. We've heard his stuff before. We're going to be talking about his again. This is the final episode of the series to be directed by Daniel Sackheim. He's directed four episodes in the past, most of which were the early seasons. He started with Deep Throat. He also directed The Host and other stuff. His most recent one was Kitsunagari. This is his last director credit on the X-Files, but he will go on and is still directing today. During the course of the episode, Mulder and Scully are heading up multiple investigations to try and figure out how Skinner was poisoned. Now this time, jumping to the end of the episode and then backing up the clock was not done because they didn't know what to do for a teaser. This was a deliberate homage to DOA, which is a really good film noir from the early 50s, which is now in the public domain, it opens with a man coming to a police station to report his own murder, and then the rest of the story is told in flashback for the previous 24 hours at some point in which he was poisoned, and he has to try and figure out who poisoned him and why before he dies. That one's easy to recommend. Like I said, it's public domain, so you can also go download it legally anytime you'd like. There are a few members of the guest cast. One is John Towney, who's in here as Dr. Kenneth Orgel. This is his only X-Files appearance, but he's got 39 credits, also including Fearless, America, and Murphy Brown. Many smaller parts. He was also Vedekosan in an episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Another guest star is Jenny Gago. She plays the doctor that I talked about earlier, who came running when Skinner first went to the cardiac arrest. She's got 96 acting credits to her name and is still working today. She's also appeared in Bound by Honor, My Family, Coach Carter, and Startup. Now, the most notable guest star is a recurring guest star, and this is one who deliberately requested that his name be left out of the opening credits. As the episode progresses, we do understand that a man with long, scraggly hair, which we learn is a wig and a beard, is the one behind it. Depending on how familiar you are with the cast, it could take a various amount of time before you will find out or figure out that it is Alex Krychek who is behind this and controlling the nanobites that have been injected into Skinner and are going to kill him. 
Raymond Berry reprises his role as Senator Richard Matheson as part of the investigation. He's not in the early credits, but because the reveal that it's actually Nick Lee, or more specifically Krychek behind it all, Nick Lee actually asked for different treatment. Normally he's credited in the opening credits as a recurring guest role. That's kind of where the Screen Actors Guild says his credit belongs. But he said, no, that gives away the ending. I don't want to do that and asked for his credit to be placed in the end credits instead of the beginning, specifically to maintain that suspense. So, credit to him for recognizing the episode is stronger if my crediting is weaker and it wasn't an ego-driven position. Not all actors would have made that choice, but it did make the episode better. It kept some suspension and some curiosity while you're trying to figure out who this is at least for some of us, would have been spoiled had that been in the opening credits. So ultimately, this was a plot to get a certain special resolution, specifically number 819, pushed through in Congress because it would allow for the export of this nanotechnology. The episode ends with the nanobots dormant. Only Skinner knows that Krychek is behind it, and Krychek is holding this over his head. So he's actually trying to control Skinner, and I don't want to get into spoilers, but this plot thread will be picked up again. This is not the last we're going to see of the nanobots. Although Mitch Pelleggi probably wished that it was. He did ask that they wrap this up fairly quickly after the second appearance, just because the prosthetics he needed for the makeup were so uncomfortable and so difficult to work with. Now, in terms of the nanobots themselves, nanotechnology is a real thing, but what we have developed is nowhere close to the levels that we see here. And these nanobots would cause a lot more damage than that. If they were multiplying as quickly as we see on the slides, they wouldn't just be causing damage because they'd be blocking Skinner's arteries. They'd be causing damage because they are creating themselves by pulling those minerals and those resources out of Skinner. So if you add, say, three more grams of nanobytes to his bloodstream, they've pulled three grams of the carbon construction materials out of Skinner's body in one way or another. So the more nanobots there are, just going dormant isn't necessarily going to heal all the damage that they've done. This would be a major issue. Plus, now that they know that there are nanobots that can be filtered out by gravity, I wonder, and really question why they didn't just hook them up to a dialysis machine, like a lot of diabetic or kidney patients, and just start scrubbing them out of his system and essentially replace the blood in his body. It would have been nice if at least they had talked about done that and paid some lip service to that kind of what I think is an obvious solution, but then had some hand-wavy explanation about how these nanobytes are good enough that they were able to circumvent that and still persisted in his system by hiding in the organs or doing something to get out of the bloodstream. In any event, that's all we have to say about SR-819. Join us again in two weeks' time when we discuss Tithonus. Thank you for listening.